Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode. If you're listening, go ahead and go out and subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the show, give us a five-star review That way we can move up in the rankings and other people can find the show and be impacted and inspired just like you. Are you a woman of color in tech who feels stuck because you don't see people who look like you? You lack support from someone who truly understands your journey and you want to overcome obstacles that you're facing in the tech industry? If you want to elevate your pay, become a leader at your company, be noticed by colleagues and executives to advance in your career, then Tech Trifecta is for you. It's my private coaching program and is now open. I'm only accepting a limited number of people to the program, so apply today at tlmintl.link forward slash Tech Trifecta. Hey, welcome to episode 192. The topic of this week's episode is Beacons of Leadership. My guest this week is Chris Voss. Chris is a Forbes Top 50 recognized CEO and host of the Chris Voss Show. He is an author, consultant, speaker, YouTuber, and coach. Hi, Chris. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Hey, it's great that you're taking time out of your busy day and at this time of the year to sit here and be with me. So I'm very happy to have you. How I always like to start off the conversations is I ask all my guests to tell the listeners who you are and what made you the Chris that you are today. My mom gave birth to me. That That's how the whole thing started. <laughs> my dad and her, never mind. Uh, anyway, the uh, <laughs> we all know how that works. I, at least I hope some of us do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how did I get to be here today? I don't know. Um, it's a it's a crazy road. Uh, and uh, but but uh, basically, I started uh, I, I started I kind of was an accidental entrepreneur when I turned 18, got fired from uh, McDonald's for having long hair, you know, because I was a satanic evil uh, rocker up in Utah. And I tell the story in my book. And, uh, you know, someone was really religious. They didn't like my hard rock Van Halen satanic rock and roll music shirts. They fired me. And uh, I went and started my first company. And and uh, after that, just been doing companies and trying to stay relevant and make a couple bucks here and there. All these, wow. all these years. So, yeah. So you've been <laughs> an entrepreneur since 18? 18. 18. Yeah. I tell the story of my book, the, the guy, uh, the guy really took a shine to me. Uh, I was flipping burgers at McDonald's, you know, just out of high school trying to, you know, eventually go to college. And, and, uh, I had this super long hair and, and I had my rock and roll t-shirts from all the concerts I was going to, you know, Iron Maiden, Van Halen, you know, whatever. And, uh, 
you know, he really felt like that was, uh, you know, the music of the devil. Uh, of course, we all know Van Halen is clearly the music of the devil. I mean, <laughs> pretty woman walking down the street. It's clearly a satanic song. Uh, Van Halen, what? Yeah, Eddie Van Halen, clear, clearly, you know, dancing in the streets. I mean, everyone knows that's an occult song, uh, clearly. And uh, so anyway. Uh, but you know they were high religious, and and uh, he decided to take a shine to me. He's like, you, you've got to cut your hair, and uh, you know you're 18 years old. You know your hair is kind of your identity. Your looks kind of your identity. I mean, you're you're still developing who you are. Yeah. And uh, so I I was like, well, this is some BS. And uh, then I looked at the women who were on the crew in McDonald's, and you know they had long hair. I'm like, well, how come they can have long hair? I I can't. Like this is discrimination, darn it. And uh, so I talked to the gals in the in the place, and they go, "We have these hairnets, Chris, that we wear. You can go buy one for a couple bucks, and it's a hairnet that pulls all the hair up into your hat." I was like, "I'm going to do that." So I, <laughs> I got this hairnet, and I started putting it up in a bun, and, and he he was so proud of himself. He was like, "I've dominated this dude and got him to submit to my." You know, maybe he'll join our religion or cult or whatever. <laughs> and because uh, we're in Utah. So uh, that went on for about a month. And I was like, haha, I've maintained the upper hand. Well, one day he caught me taking my hair in a bun or something. And uh, he was so livid and so livid. And so uh, he fired me. And then I went and uh, started my own business, uh, just kind of accidentally. And uh, within three months, I was making more than him. And I went back and shook his hand, thanked him for changing my life, which he really did. And uh, it was the ultimate revenge. You know, I love I love that story because I think us as entrepreneurs, that's how we end up becoming entrepreneurs, because we get, you know, to that point where we get somebody that we're like, why are we working for this person? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like we could do our own thing. So tell me about, you know, the businesses that you've started and how, how that's gone for you. Well, I sat down and wrote the book, A Beacon's Leadership. And uh, what I wanted to do was share with a lot of people that went through or may, might be wanting to start their own business or go through similar experiences that I was going through and kind of give them a toolbox of what I used to become successful and how I became through successful through trial and error and see if I can save somebody the time and heartache that I went through. Um, but uh, also to let people know that, that you, you know, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you can battle through it. And so uh, we started, I started that company. And then after that, I started a couple little other ones. I was trying to get into, uh, the white collar business instead of the bl- uh, blue collar business. Uh, blue collar is really hard, you know, lots of labor. And, uh, so I'm like, I want to be in the white collar business and, um, eventually started a, a business with my business partner after a few different launches of different things. Um, and that just rocket shipped. Um, and we just, you know, hit gold. Uh, it wasn't without trial and tribulation. I tell those in the book, but then I started our second company, a mortgage company. The first company was a career company that really hit. The second company was a mortgage company. We started within about a year and a half of, of the first company. And then we started adding companies after that. We added a one in dating line. I tell the story about where that went in the book. Uh, I, you know, we, we got into a lot of different things. It ended up for about 15 years, we had three core companies. One was a modeling acting agency. 
up in Utah at the time, there was a lot of uh, movies and stuff going on. And then we had the mortgage company and the courier company, and we were always starting stuff. I think there was over 27 different corporations that started. And sometimes you start projects, you see where they go. Um, And then I hit the big crash in 2008, where we lost literally everything. And uh, I had to reinvent myself, start over. And we launched the podcast, the Chris Voss show and, and started doing social media marketing and consulting. And, and then uh, just recently over COVID, I finally sat down and wrote the darn book of some of the adventures. You know, and, and we're going to get to your book. And, and like you said, you're a, a podcaster as well. And what kind of things do you talk about on your show? Are you talking about some of those principles as far as becoming an entrepreneur and some of those patches that you hit? A little bit. Uh, I think uh, for the first few years of the podcast, I, I was sometimes doing solo and talking about my experiences or lessons I learned. I think early on we were doing that. Um, over the last two years, two and a half years now, it's been me interviewing uh, authors. So hmm. most of the authors that come on our show are people from uh, Penguin Random House, Simon Schuster, the, all the top uh, book uh, places. And so we have all the hottest authors that have the fresh books right off the shelves and they come tell us about them. Uh, a lot of nonfiction, although we have novelists on and and stuff. Uh, and it's really fun because I get a front row seat to somebody who spent, you know, 10,000, 20,000 hours researching some brilliant piece of history or or some some sort of research on like maybe COVID or, you know, something, whatever they've studied, human nature, human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get like front row seat to them and I get to ask them all these great questions. And a lot of them are pretty media savvy. You'll see them on TV. We've had a lot of journalists on from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, um, CNN. We've had anchors on from the news channels. And so it's really fun because these guys come on, they're really media savvy and I have to have a really high game for them. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the that's the way we play. And I love it because I learn so much. Right, right. And that's kind of how I feel with this podcast with having great guests like yourself mm-hmm. on it's really um yeah you're getting a front row seat to this person and you're like wow i'm actually talking to this person and learning mm-hmm. about them and their journey and that's what i want to talk to you about and i know you said you put a lot of this in your book mm-hmm. um so after all your years of being an entrepreneur covet hit and you said you know what i'm gonna write this book mm-hmm. now was that always on your goal list to write a book <laughs> or because I mean I wrote a book and I'm thinking I don't think that was ever on my goal list. But was that on your goal list? Well, good and- for you. I <laughs> you actually wanted to do it and did it. I tried to write my first book in 2011 or what? 2011? 2001? Oh man, the time is really getting out of hand with me. 2011 and the iPad had just came out. So if that mm-hmm. timing is right. And it was destroying the book market. And I just become really successful in social media as a a social media marketer and guru. And uh, I was consulting people on how to use Twitter and that when all that stuff first came out. And uh, uh, I I just blanked. Oh, I'm getting old. Uh, I'm probably having a stroke. Call 911. (laughs) No, no. But... uh, so I was, I was, so I'm like, okay, I got to write a book. All my friends are writing books 
And uh, I wrote up like a proposal, sent it into Wiley and a few other places and got denied. And they're like, we're not taking new book authors right now because the whole world's melting down in the book land. I still got the letter too, which is funny. So uh, for the next... Um, for the next uh, 10 years, I guess you'd 2011 to 2021, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've been kicking myself. You got to write this book. You write this book. I was supposed to write it in 2014 and, and uh, got into some video gaming a little too much. Um, and for years, 10 years, it's been chasing me going, write the book, stupid. And, uh, and, you know, I had a lot of different ideas for the book and, in 2000, uh, 2021, it just all came together and, uh, it was the right moment, the right time. And I had nothing better to do. So, <laughs> okay. So beacons of leadership, mm-hmm. tell us, because I'm, I am a leadership like person because I spent 30 years in the military mm. as a Naval officer. Mm. So leadership is kind of my jam, you know, yeah. cause I've seen poor leadership as well as good leadership. So I'm very passionate about it, especially when I know things are going wrong. So tell us about like some of your topics in your book and, and who, who is this book for? Is this for someone who um, is just out there, you know, aspiring? Is it for the entrepreneur? Is it someone working that business and want to move up the ladder? Tell us about that. Thank you. That's an excellent question. And, you know, when I was writing my book, uh, my military friends are like, you really hit on 90% of what the military teaches. The military actually has really incredible leadership teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I found out about be no do uh, mm-hmm. from, I think, I think it's, I don't know if it's largely in the army uh, segment, but, but the teaching that they do is they teach a lot of almost, I think almost everybody to be leaders. I mean, yes. you guys are working on multi-million billion dollars, sometimes vehicles, um, you know, it's extraordinary. And, uh, and, and the other thing is too, is the military asks people to, to put their, to pay the ultimate price or to put their lives on the line for the ultimate price. And to get people to want to do that, you've really got to be a powerful leader. You've got to have a powerful system in place because, you know, uh, otherwise everyone's just going to run away when the, when the, when the crap hits the fan. So uh, I was really amazed at that and, and learned a lot about um, uh, the military and their leadership stuff. And, and I'd almost like to write a whole nother book on it. There's a lot of great books that have been written by some military leaders, but, uh, and that's probably why they're some of the most extraordinary people come out of the military and, and go on to be leaders in government or business, but uh, beacons of leadership um, uh, the concept around the beacons of leadership is to, to me, a CEO or a leader is, is like a lighthouse. They put forth, they beam forth this vision, this, this communication of, of what everyone around them or their followers or people they're interacting with should do. But I wrote the book under the context of anyone can be a leader. So we're all, we all have the potential to be leaders or many times we are leaders. We just don't realize it. You know, a parent is a leader. Mm-hmm. Whether you realize it or not, yeah. you know, especially a mom, mm-hmm. uh, you're a leader. Now, there's some parents that might fail at that and let the right. kids start taking over. <laughs> We've seen those <laughs> kids in the grocery store, right? Yes. Um, I might have been in one of them. And uh, so, no, my mom, my mom was always with that. I brought you into this world. I will take you mm-hmm. out. And uh, I think she tried a couple times, but we we earned it. Um, 
but we were just awful kids. So I wrote it from the context of anybody could be a leader, whether it's an emergency leader or, you know, you might, I don't know, you see somebody stealing, stealing someone's purse on a subway and, and you, you suddenly step in, you snap. Um, but anybody can be a leader, even they're under middle management. You know, I wanted the context to be, you don't have to be a CEO. Right. You don't have to have the title to be a leader. You can lead and you can get other people to follow you, whether you're an influencer, whether you're running a podcast like you do. Um no matter what it is, and especially if you're a parent, like, I don't, I don't know how many parents really think of themselves as leaders mm-hmm. or, you know, and, and I'm not a big fan of the boss thing. I'm a boss mm-hmm. to me. A leader is a much more richer thing, but yes. I mean, however you want to define it in your head, you could, you can do that. So I wanted to make the book where anybody who felt like they wanted to be a leader or a better leader, a better influencer of their followers, whether they were their kids whether they were spouse, whether they were, you know, middle management, that they could they could lead and um, and be successful, and you get people to follow them and 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 get better relationships from that. So that's a large part of what the book is written about. I sat down and nailed down what I thought, my opinion, were the top five principles of leadership, and uh, shared why they were. And then out of them, I built a lot of the principles of stories of my business, stories of my life, how that built me into a leader. And there's some pretty interesting adventures in the book. And uh, it, it's quite the journey. And so basically, that was it. So it, on the cover of the book, it has, a, I think it's on the thing behind uh-huh. me. It's, a, it's got a picture of a, a lighthouse. And, you know, the, the other thing is, too, the lighthouse, you know, lives through the storms and the the battles and the weather that rages around it. And that's what a leader does. He stands up on the pinnacle or she does stands up on the pinnacle and everyone looks to the leader for guidance and communication and everything else. And so uh, I really like the vision of it. I had a couple of people that are like, is that a religious book? Just, you know, cause it's got a lighthouse on it. Mm-hmm. I guess the seventh day Adventists are into that uh, or something, okay. but uh, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of religion leadership, basically. I don't know. <laughs> We just don't have a church. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'm part of the the church since I like. All right. I'm into leadership. You know, I I love what you're saying because I'm getting excited as you're talking about the book because so many leadership books out there. And believe me, I've I've read a lot of them. Um, a lot of them come from the point of okay, well, you're a manager or you know that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And you're spot on with the military. And this is what I try to explain to people, because that's kind of one of my topics that I speak on as well, is that, you know, leadership is not a title. Mm-hmm. And in the military, you're right. They teach us at from the day you walk in, you could be the grunt. You know, you're a leader because, like you said, we're we're working on, you know, systems and equipment that are trillions, billions, trillions of dollars. And then you're talking about. Hey, possibility of going to war, you have to be a leader. You know, yeah. you have to do these things. So that and and it's very surprising to me that a lot of people that are have never been in the military, especially in the workforce, don't value military people and veterans and what mm-hmm. they have to offer. Yeah. So so that's, you know, something I hope that you expounded on in your book. I I really love that. And I love the fact that you're you put it out for anyone. It's not that, yeah. okay, if you're um, have the corner office or if you're trying to do this, because as you said, 
even being a mother, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. And leadership is so much more than a title. And, and it's funny because me being a mother, a single mother, uh, when my kids were little, I would always tell them, always reiterate, I'm like, you're a leader, you're not a follower, you're a leader, you're not a follower. And I didn't know whether they were getting this or not, you know, and understanding what I meant by this until one day I go to school and this mom like runs up to me and she's like pulling me, approaching me. And I'm like, yes. And she was like, you know, are you his mom? And I'm like, yes. And she was like, oh my God, I just want to say, you know, thank you. He's such a great, you know, little boy. And I'm like, okay, what did he do? She's like, well, her son, who was kind of on the chubby side, people, you know, the other kids were bullying him. My son stepped in and basically told them to stop bullying this this boy. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I almost got tears in my eyes because I was like, oh my God, you know, I was like, that was great. So I told him, I'm like, I'm so proud of you. That was, that's what I mean by being a leader, not a follower, you know? And he was like, well, yeah, it just wasn't right, mom. You know, I didn't like that. So it wasn't right. And that's what being a leader is about. Definitely. I mean, standing forth, taking a position and, uh, you know, people, people look, uh, most people are followers. There's very few leaders in this world. And, and so there's a lot of power in mastering leadership and being a leader. You know, you mentioned uh, that, you know, people sometimes, you know, well, you're just a manager. Well, the people who get promoted through management are the people that show leadership qualities and skills. And those are the people that ascend to the top and, and eventually would become like a CEO or whatever. Or, you know, when I used to work for other people and, and, you know, like you, I work for people that I'm like, this person's a moron. How did they get this job? And why do I have to yes. put up with this? Um, but I always call it leadership practice or CEO practice. And I'm like, I'm going to just do, even though this person is just driving me mad and they're the worst people in the world and I want to choke them out the time. Um, <laughs> some people's marriages are that way. Um, and uh, I think all marriages are that way. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I, I would be like, you know, what? I'm going to just do the best job I can. I'm going to kick butt. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to stand out because when I leave and I go start my own company, this is my practice, right? This is my get stuff down, get it right. And so I tell some of the stories in the book about how you know, some of the times when I work for other people, there were things that I was learning that really made it so that I could become a leader. But yeah, anybody can be a leader. The other thing I talk about in the book and, and part of the beacons is whether you think you're a leader or not, you're being watched by your followers or people that, that think you are a leader mm-hmm. and that you're following. And they're watching every action you do. Mothers are that way. Uh, fathers. Um, and there's some CEOs that I've met that they, they don't really realize that you know, they'll put out some PR like, oh, we're a company that has great morals and, and integrity and we do everything. And then meanwhile, I'm going to go over here and do, steal some stocks or something, you know, right. they don't realize that people put those two together. Right. You know, my parents used to always tell me and they were good people, but they used to say, don't lie. You know, mom's mm-hmm. always like, don't lie. And then you catch mom in a couple <laughs> white lies and you're like, wait, wait, something's wrong here. Uh, what's going on? You know, you find out they lied to you about Santa and the Easter Bunny, and then really, mom's exposed. You're like, mom's a pathological liar. Okay, Santa and the Easter Bunny. I think we get a, a pass for that one. <laughs> I love to do that joke. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, because everyone does that, Larry. Right? 
Uh, and, and for those of you listening, we're just joking around. There really is an Easter bunny kids. Um, so anyway, um, so I talk about how as a leader or whether you know, whether or not you really, if you, if you're in some sort of position where people are looking up to you, you need to realize that those eyes are on you and that you need to behave in a manner of leadership because whether you realize or not, you're having a huge amount of influence. I mean, most children grow up to be like their parents because that's who they spend the most time watching, seeing, doing. If they have broken relationships, they and they and they see, you know, the stress of those things or the where the fighting and stuff, they take that into their things. And so you have to realize that, you know, you're being you're being watched and and that has an influence on you know, whether it's your leadership style. I've seen leaders that are CEOs of their companies, whether they're large or small. And the way they behave sets the tone and the um, kind of morals for an environment for their company. If they're toxic, their company's toxic. Mm-hmm. Their employees are toxic. The whole thing is is awful. If it's a high school environment where the most popular employee who kisses the boss's butt the most and mm-hmm. brown knows him the most, you know, if you will, uh, you know, he gets the better promotions even though he doesn't work hard, you know, and the person who's working hard is at the back going, are you serious? Like, really? It's like high school here. Um, but that uh, who you are sets the tone. And, and so you really want to make sure that you have an understanding of what sort of tone you're setting, what sort of environment you're setting in your, in your business or, or in your family and everything else. You know, um, if you're uh, a spouse, you know, whether, you know, some, sometimes there's a stronger person on one side or the other, whoever the leader is, they, that person, you're, there's a, some expectations that come with it too where you're expected to act in certain accordance away, preferably, you know, trust, integrity, a lot of these different things, passion we talk about in the book. So, yeah. I I really, I really love that because you are taking the viewpoint of the person who has actually gone through all of this. You're not, you're not on that mountaintop speaking down saying, Oh, this is, you know, the great leadership, you know, book, and this is what you should do. And here's, you know, you know, the formula and all of this, you know, so I really like that. And, and I'm very interested. So in your journey, as you're going through being a leader yourself and working for other people, just building and going through your life and you write on, and if you write on this in the book, like you said, a lot of leaders don't realize they're being watched, but then do you talk at all about the lead, the, the morale. So, you know, we talked about the integrity part and everything, but there are leaders out there who it appears that their main mission is to make their employees' lives miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't realize when, you know, it's like, oh, I can't retain people or, you know, I get bad employees. No, you don't get bad employees. You get good people that you turn bad and then they decide they want to leave. Yeah, yeah. You know, do um, you talk about that or anything? I touched on, I, I, I had like, there was two things we were doing right in the book. I'm like, do I make the encyclopedia of leadership, like a Peter Drucker book? Mm. And I didn't have the energy to do that. Or I mean, something like that takes a lot of research and yeah. knowledge. Yeah. And, and I'm like, I'm not that smart either. So there's that. Um, but what I did is I sat down and I highlighted the top five things that are most important to me. Uh, that I think a leader needs to have. And then I, 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 you know, I wrote the whole chapters on them that kind of broke those down and, and yeah, morals and integrity, 
trust, uh, communication, character. I think that would probably fall under character. And so we wrote, we wrote some stuff about character and how important that is, but you know, there's a lot of different, I mean, you could write whole books about character and everything else, but you're right. There's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, for me, what I defined in the hierarchy, um, was the number one thing to be a, a leader. And to me, a leader is someone who's who who can fire up people and get people to go the extra mile. Right. You know, the Steve Jobs of the world, the Elon Musk of the world. Um, you know, Steve Jobs had this thing where he could get people to suspend reality. And he'd be like, we're going to build the iPhone. We're going to cram a fax machine in it and a phone in it. And, you know, just all the stuff they put into it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're going to do it. And people are like, how? You know, one of my friends, Andy Grignon, was on the team. And they're just like, we got to put like all this crap in this phone and make the touchscreen work because touchscreens weren't like right. huge back then. And, uh, and we got to get it to work. It wasn't even working when he announced it correctly. Mm-hmm. It was barely, barely working. So uh, the top five things for me is passion was number one. To be a leader, to be a really true leader, to inspire people to want to go do stuff, you've got to have passion. And you've got to be able to infect people with that passion. Yeah. Hey, let's go someplace. You know, if I say to you, hey, you want to, you want to, you want to go over there? You want to, that sounds like, uh, I'm thinking we should go over there. Yeah. You're like, I don't know, man. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> but if I go, Hey man, I have the, the greatest thing is over there in the world and we're going to go over there and we're going to take part in it and we're just going to revel in it. And it's going to be freaking awesome. You want to go there. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what the hell this is, but this guy has a lot of passion. Right. And that's sort of an infectious nature. You know, sometimes if you're a loving mom who who teaches their children or talks to their children or or really uh helps them, you know, inspire their thoughts and their passion. And those are the sort of people that people are drawn to. So I kind of wrote the book under the analogy of of what will fire up people as a mm-hmm. leader that you need to have to get them to go, I will follow this person anywhere. Right. I don't care where it is. Like Steve Jobs, he can get people to, you, you want a mountain move, Steve? We'll dig that mountain up and we'll move it over there for you. Mm-hmm. And, and he had that. So to me, passion is the number one principle. Uh, vision and innovation, having a vision and innovation is part of the principle of passion mm-hmm. because, you know, people want to, people want something that's better for their lives or better for whatever it is, you know, politics sells lots, uh, but there's a, there's, you know, a lot of it's BS, but, you know, great leaders will, will say, Hey, you know, I think we can build something better. Elon Musk. I, I think we build a better car. And I think we can save the planet. And I think we can save lives and we get self-driving cars. Everyone's like, you're crazy. That's going to be expensive. He's like, no, there's a way to do it. You know, we can, I think we can have recyclable rockets that, you know, go up and come down and we can save money and just keep doing them. And so people aspire when you really study followers and leaders, they aspire to people that have these big blue sky vision dreams and, and they get caught up in it because, because it's, it's inspiring. It's, it's, they're passionate about it. And so that will get people to follow you almost anywhere into mm-hmm. just about anything. And, uh, you know, the military does that, you know, mm-hmm. people are inspired by patriotism, their country, the love of freedom, defending right. their country. Um, you know, you, you're asking people to put their lives on the line for what, I don't know, some mm-hmm. McDonald's or something. 
uh, <laughs> franchise. We're, what are we defending here? Franchise? No, we're defending liberty, right. freedom, uh, democracy. This this two hundred fifty almost 250 year old uh, experiment mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the, the lives of, of the civilians at home right. uh, standing between them and the enemy, you know, the whole vision and passion of that. So the third part that I felt was the most important was honesty, integrity, and trust. And uh, then communication and selling, you've got to be able to communicate your vision, your passion, yes. your honesty, your integrity and trust. And then character comes into that. And character, I think, really builds into a lot of different things. What was kind of interesting is I recently ran a poll of these five items on LinkedIn. And uh, all LinkedIn disagreed with me. And they said, honesty, integrity, and trust was the number one feature of a, of a uh, leader. But I disagree with them because if you don't have the passion, I mean, you can be right. honest, trustworthy. Right. A lot of people are, right? you know, it's kind of like when you meet a nice guy, you know, yeah. and he's like, nice. Hey, I'm, I'm really honest. You're like, well, you don't really fire up any emotion or right. passion in me. Uh, like, good for you. Yeah. Um, that passion is really the thing that drives it. When you just mix that stew, it just makes for a good leader. I think. My opinion. Yeah. No, you, you know what? You're right. You have to have that passion because I'm thinking over my journey. Yeah, it's the people that had passion. And, it, and it's interesting because Colin Powell recently passed away. Mm -hmm. And he, I considered, I looked up to him as one of the great military leaders. And you're right. You have to have people to, that can, you know, inspire others. Because when you're, especially in the military, when you're, the ultimate goal is we're defending freedom and this may cause you your life. Mm -hmm. you want somebody who you're going to say, you know what, I'll take that heel anytime he tells me. And, I, and I, you know, I don't care what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. But then when you have people that you're like, I wouldn't follow that guy across the street. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's bad. And you do, yeah. you have to have the passion. Honesty is good, but you got to have the passion and you got to communicate and, and let people know, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is why I think this, this is why we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And that makes people, cause you know, you don't want to just be doing things blindly and you're like, it's almost like the kid, right? That's, that's the parent. Well, why? And you know, even though you're saying like, because I said so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still, it's a valid question. You know, and I thought about this as my kids were growing up, I was like, you know, it is a valid question. Why? Because yeah. you know, they're thinking, well, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of this? You know, and, and I would hope everybody would want to know why they're doing something. But, you know, even, you know, when you know, OK, we're doing this, you may die, but I need you to do this. And you and that person to actually say, you know what, I'm there for you. That's, yeah. you know, that's leadership. And a lot of people have to have that. Why? Right. Um, you know, why am I doing this? And that's. Mm -hmm. That's where the vision in the in the innovation comes in of where you can paint a beautiful picture right. of what you want your followers to go, of what your vision is. And sometimes you're, you know, I've I've been on that boat where you're you're the captain in stormy seas and everyone's looking to you, all the employees are looking to you, going, This looks bad, Captain. And you're like, We're gonna get through this, tie me to the mass, we're going that way. And they're like, how do you know to go that way? And you're like, I don't know, but mm -hmm. I know because I've done this a million times and we're going to find land and we're going to go there and we're going to make it. And they go, I don't know, he's crazy, but we're going to follow him anyway. Um, but they'll follow your passion. But drawing that vision for people 
you know, I talk about this in the book, which is really important. As a CEO, I had to communicate, vision, inspire, and motivate everybody. It wasn't just the employees. It just wasn't the senior staff. It was everybody. So vendors, I had to go to vendors and say, hey, man, here's why you should do business with us. Here's why you should give us better pricing. Uh, Let's get you captured in what we're building, and you can grow with us and stuff, but I need better pricing right now. (laughs) Um, And so then they get fired up and go, this guy is going someplace. So we're going to give him better pricing and attach our horse to him. Uh, you know, vendors, board of directors, investors, all the different people that you have as a CEO, you've got to keep all these people engaged. You've got to keep them all passionate. You've got to communicate that vision so that that why, as you mentioned, is filled in for them. And they, they, the, the purpose of that army takes on its own purpose of achieving your vision sometimes long after you're gone. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, look at the military. The military is still you know, fighting for the principles of the original thing, a declaration of independence that was established mm-hmm. uh, 240, 250 years ago. And really the same principles of the, maybe the revolutionary war um, in, you know, freedom, democracy. And it, it's, and those are, those are aspects of things that are bigger than ourselves. Right. right. And so that's why people are willing to put their lives in the line mm-hmm. to go, this is worth the big picture. This is worth standing between the bad guy and the, the innocent people who don't have the ability to defend themselves, haven't been trained as such and stuff. Um, you know, and so to me, that's, that's really what leadership comes down to is painting those big pictures. And, you know, you probably learned as a mom, sometimes if you got them to the wire, gave them a vision of, Hey, we're going to go do this. or We're going to go see Santa Claus and mm-hmm. it's going to be fun. Or we're going to go to Disneyland and, you know, you paint the picture where they go, Oh, oh yeah, we got to, we're going someplace. Right. And that's a real thing that the people love and, and uh, you know, wins over their hearts and minds. I should exactly. have a chapter on hearts and minds. <laughs> see for your next book, you can have part yeah. two. Yeah. No, it seems like you cover just, an array of topics, which is, like I said, very, very well done. You're not just, you know, speaking from this is my corner office. I have the mahogany desk and this is what it means to be great. And I really believe that and hope the listeners out there who want to be entrepreneurs go out and get this book, because I think there's some things you can learn along the way while you're building your business, building yourself, even if you not an entrepreneur, even if you're not trying to be a leader in whatever sector, these principles are still good life principles. Because I think just being a human being, networking with other people, collaborating, you're going to, you always need these principles in your life. And that's what a lot of people I've found in, in, in my journey that they think, okay, you have to have this position to act like this and do these things. And leadership is every day, every day, you know, you're, you're acting in leadership in some kind of way. You're putting these principles into motion. So I really love the fact that you've done this. And I want to ask you Mm -hmm. in your journey, what are some of the, give me one thing that really sticks out in your mind and that you learned the most from it could be positive or negative or whatever. <laughs> oh, so many cathartic moments. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of, I learned a lot from the cathartic moments, the mm-hmm. dark times. Always. Uh, you know, I, I share a lot of really interesting stories in the book that 
I don't think I've read it in a lot of other books. Um, but I share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, okay. There, you know, there was uh, one time my business partner of 13 years, my best friend of 22 years, uh, walked into my office, handed me the keys to one of our companies he was running, and said, "The company's bankrupt. Um, you're not going to make payroll at the end of the week. I've let the business collapse, and it's going to take down all the." company so i won't have any debt and uh have fun in bankruptcy um bye i'm out we're done wow 22 years of a friend and 13 years of a business partner that i used to be able to trust beyond a shadow of a doubt and uh you know we had a we had the who's the gal who broke up the beatles um <laughs> the i forget what are her you name. talking about <laughs> we're, we're not gonna say her name on the show because i don't want anybody being like oh oh okay yeah yeah we know. Uh, so we know. <laughs> yeah so the gal broke up the beals with john lennon's we <laughs> he basically had that situation he'd gotten a girlfriend who was like you don't need chris he's just yeah. some stupid ceo guy turns out you know i was the guy but you know the, a lot of cathartic moments that i went through i had four days to save our empire of companies and our employees paychecks um, and I talk about what that experience was like, you know, ultimate betrayal, uh, and, uh, and I lived through it. Um, and you know, there's a lot, I learned a lot from cathartic moments. And I think what I learned, I think that might've been one of the most important cathartic moments because, uh, Howard Stern went through a thing. And I talk about this in the book with Jackie Martling, where he, he had his radio show for a long time and Jackie Martling left. Uh, and he thought that he lost his mojo. He thought he'd left his partner. He'd lost half of his soul, half of who he was. And he's like, I don't even think I'd be funny anymore. And then it turned out that he found that it had always been him. He'd always been the Mm -hmm. guy and Jackie had just been kind of riding along. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go through a cathartic moment when my business partner left where I thought all this time that it was our team. And when he left, I replaced him, you know, he's making a lot of money, six figures a month. Uh, and I'm like, you're, you're, <laughs> no, hold on, five figures a month, excuse me, um, six figures a year, probably. Um, so you're, you're making all this money. And I replaced him with like a $2,500 a, a month secretary. That's how much mm. little work he was doing. Wow. And, uh, and then I realized that it had always been me. I always been the CEO, I've always been the proponent of the business, the innovator, the visionary. And he just always been kind of like going, okay, whatever, whatever you want to do, Chris. And, um, and so that was a real cathartic moment. I think maybe that was the moment I learned the most because it, it got me through a lot of other cathartic moments, like the great recession or like this recent COVID thing. I realized that, Hey, you can, you can try and destroy me. You can try and take everything from me, but as long as I got me, you can have everything else. As long as I got me, I'm 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 the boxer still in the arena. I, I'm gonna fight until uh, you know I can't move a finger anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was a big lesson in life. Great lesson, great lesson. Well, we're gonna go into our questions. That's that was a good lead in there. So are you ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna try. <laughs> okay. Do I have a timer? Where am I, the- no, I won't time you. But you know, <laughs> don't give me the like. You know, hour-long story behind okay, it. All right. <laughs> okay, who or what motivates you? Who or what motivates me? You know, people hate my answer on this one. People really do. Bills. <laughs> okay, now you got to expound on that. Why? So, so 
I, you know, I, I, I don't really have any sort of special thing that motivates me other than maybe my purpose in life, which is, I don't know, spending money and getting more bills, but bills keep coming like every month and they don't stop. <laughs> you know, I, I had some salespeople. I think I tell the story in my book. I had a salesperson walk into me one day. He goes, Chris, when I started with your company, I was broke. I was like way behind on my child support. I was living on my friend's couch. My car was repossessed. I had nothing. You know, I, now I'm working for you. I'm making like 10 grand a month. I've got all the child support caught up. I got a new computer. I got a house. I got all the car. I got all this stuff now. You know, you've really helped me put my life together. He goes, I can't get motivated. Pick up the phone. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I, I just can't. He goes, everything is fine now. So I, I don't have any motivation to, to do it's do sales. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, the child support is going to bill is going to come next month and the month thereafter and the month thereafter and the month thereafter, the car bill, the house bill, it never stops coming. So, you know, you, you know, there's anybody who sits around and goes, well, I made all my money this month and my belly's full and the bills are paid. I can just chill. No, man. There's a whole new set of them coming next month, you know, that and uh, it's true. <laughs> so people, people hate that about me. I, they're like, that's the worst answer ever, but I just have to be honest. You know, actually, <laughs> now that you've actually explained it, no, it, it, it actually is a good answer. It makes very good sense. Uh, what demotivates you? Bills? <laughs> Bill, yeah, that would be funny. Yeah. Uh, um, what demotivates me, oh, man, um, people that, people that, uh, people that, uh, have a huge Dunning-Kruger, uh, sort of mentality, people that are, um, not intellectually curious that are incredibly dumb. I don't know if that's a demotivator, but mm -hmm. when I get around those people, I just want to jump off a cliff. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know they start <laughs> sucking IQ points off of you. Yeah. 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 When was a time? That something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good. Uh, one of them would have been when my business partner left. Uh, there's been a lot of times, a lot of people in my life I found that I thought were loyalty, loyalty to me. Um, um, in the book, I tell a story about how when uh, our courier company, the first company was applied to, uh, we had to submit a proposal to a state overbody government. And we, we sent in that proposal and they wrote one of the nastiest letters they'd ever written to anybody. And I keep it framed. And um, it was ugly. It was like, this is the worst application we've ever seen. And so I tell the story in the book about how we renegotiated that denial and we use the same model to go uh, dominate the market in our local market and bankrupt two of the biggest competitors. And so here we got told by the authority that, you know, this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen. And uh, here we dominate with it. So great story. What is your fear? What is my fear? Uh, fear, fear changes a lot. Um, I've lived a pretty good life, so I don't have a fear of dying. Um, my fear is, God, do I, do I have a fear? I don't know. My fear is health now, I think at this point, because I'm 54. Mm -hmm. And so my fear is that I can have a quality of life and quality of health. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I worry that something might happen to me like a stroke or heart attack, mm -hmm. and then maybe I won't be as, as active or 
or agile, you know, I'm going to the gym right now, trying to get in shape and, and, uh, you know, getting prepared, you, you kind of, at the end of your life, you start looking at the, uh, quality of life. Oh yeah. So I think, I think that would be one of my fears that are going to prison for something. I don't ever want to go to prison for anything. That's uh, that's that honesty goal. and integrity. <laughs> yeah, that's my goal in life. Don't do anything that gets you in prison. <laughs> Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yeah, there's a whole life of those. When I meet people that say, uh, if I could go back and change anything, I wouldn't change the darn thing. I'm like, are you insane? Like, where were you through your life? Uh, there's a million things I'd change. Yes. Um, you know, I'd go back and probably be an attorney. Um, I'd be really an evil attorney if I if I'd been an attorney. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I'd be one of those really good. I'd be really good at it, but I'd be really uh, an evil one. Um, probably like Roy, yeah, I'd probably be like Roy Cohn. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, there's so many different places that, that turns, you know, if you look at life, it's like a giant forest and you go through it and there's, there's cuts in the path where there's a fork and you can go right or you can go left or sometimes there's more than one split but you you have you have to make decisions and those decisions are permanent you can't go back and and you take that road and then you go down through some other splits and and eventually you find that your life's in a different place but uh yeah there's a million places um where yeah sometimes if you go back and you're like sometimes when you hurt people too you say something that hurt them or you did something that hurt them you wish you could go back and fix that. And uh, sometimes I think we all do bad things sometimes, many times unintended or maybe from trauma we're carrying in our life. Um, I would probably go back and try and circumvent some of my trauma. I think one thing I did talk about that if I could go back and change, I would tell the 16 year old self to go get some psychology, uh, go see a psychiatrist. I had really bad ADHD. So Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Uh, yeah, it's probably a lot of those two that, that, you know, not, not going in to get psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes telling somebody something that, you know, maybe I hurt them and didn't apologize to them and there are repercussions of that. And uh, I think I remember one time I had a, I had a girlfriend and, I had asked her to move out. We were just having all sorts of problems and I'd asked her to move out. And I remember thinking about halfway through the week, I'm like, let's have a conversation with her to, to try and one last time. Uh, and, and I was like, ah, just, I'll put it off till the end of the week and, and, and let me think about it some more. And, uh, I'd forgotten about it on the last day. I'd totally forgotten about it. And I came home and the house was empty. Uh, she moved out and I was like, Oh crap. I meant to have a conversation with her about it. And I was like, well, there, there went that. It turns out it was for the better, but uh-huh. you know, it was a good example of, of, uh, you know. <laughs> wow. What is your definition of success? Um, there's a, uh, who wrote the definition of success that I like the most? Um, to, to, uh, leave the world a better place to make, you know, women and children smile, or I forget who it is that wrote it. Um, but, uh, basically leave the world a better place to, uh, brighten the world for the place you've been there. I'm trying to think of the gentleman who wrote, um, 
the text. It's a, it's a famous quote, but uh, basically you make the world a better place. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have children. I don't have a wife. So to me, the world is, is, is my children. And so I try and make the world a better place, be, be, a, uh, influence it to hopefully be better. Uh, I'm not sure I'm the arbiter on what's right and wrong and what's better, but I try to be. Um, and so to me, that's, that's, that's the big picture thing. You know, um, we, we all have to realize that we're here for a very limited time and, uh, it's a blip on the screen. And if you can touch one person's life or a few people's lives, and that makes a difference in their lives, then hopefully you've, you've lived a better life. Yeah. How do you recharge? Video games, sometimes sleep. When you get to be 54, there's a lot of naps. Uh, uh, sometimes it's just, it's just being grateful for stuff. I have a thing where I'm grateful every Sunday and I think about things mm-hmm. uh, that I'm grateful for. Uh, when I see my kids, my dog kids, um, I get pretty grateful and appreciate them. I look in their eyes and realize, you know, how much important they are to me and how important I am to them. Mm-hmm. Evidently, I don't know. That's at least that's what they tell me. Uh, I'm a big treat uh, giver, so I, they're just probably after treats. But uh, you know, having gratitude really helps. Um, that's a real recharge. You know, sometimes just taking time out for yourself. You know, sometimes just doing something mindless. Yeah doing a video game or some, mm-hmm. some sort of self-care yeah, where you can tune out. You just have to make sure you don't do it for like, you know, it doesn't disappear into it for like a month or something. <laughs> yeah. Please don't. <laughs> what are you awesome at? Ah, man, I like to think I'm awesome being a leader, a good passionate people, a, a person inspires people. Um, I have a lot of followers across social media um people like me for some reason i don't know if i i've had some people say that they follow me because they're just waiting to see the car finally hit the wall uh and uh the crazy clown car hit the wall um other people really like me for some strange reason i think i inspire people i think i make people think i i have on my facebook that i'm the morpheus i'm the red pill um and i'll challenge your thinking and i'll test you and uh and maybe from that you'll be like you know maybe he's he's got some ideas there so yeah i think that's Hmm. it and i think you kind of said this but what legacy do you want to leave yeah i like a legacy where people go yeah that guy was pretty freaking awesome Mm -hmm. like i'd like the whole lot of people to show up at my funeral and have a party um i'm not really sure that's gonna happen because you know, I don't know how many Facebook friends or Twitter followers show up at your funeral, <laughs> but I, I would like to hope that people f- thought I was a good person, that I that I touched their lives, that I moved them. Maybe I improved their lives in some in some form or matter, or inspired them in some way, uh, or made them think more about the depth of their life and and give them some sort of additional richness. That, or maybe they just thought I was a moron and whatever. <laughs> I gave them something to judge. You still had impact on them, huh? (laughs) I did. If you hate me, I'm still in your head. Oh, my goodness. Chris, tell the listeners how they can connect with you, get your book, and whatever else you have going on in your agenda. Thank you. They can go to beaconsleadership.com. They can go to the thechrisvossshow.com. You'll find the podcast and everything we do over there, lots of product reviews, too. And uh, it's all on Amazon or 
uh, Barnes and Noble, any place you want to order, wherever fine books are sold, we like to say, and uh, order the book, read it, give it to your friends. Um, I, I just had somebody write me the other day who's an entrepreneur. She's a new entrepreneur, and her friend gave her the book, and she read it twice. And she says, I loved it and it inspired me with what I'm doing. And I'm like, great. That's kind of who I wrote the book for is, you know, one of the authors was on my show. She's like, write the book. You need to write the book. And I was kind of in the editing process and I was losing my mind. I, I started typing, you know, like Jack on, on uh, the shining. I started <laughs> typing, you know, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. <laughs> and, um, and my friends were starting to get concerned about me. And I talked to this gal and she goes, you know, there's somebody out there that needs to hear your message. There's somebody out there who's in the darkness and they're at their bottom and they need to hear your words and only your words are going to save them. And your job is to save them. So you need to write this book and you need to finish it because those people need you. And uh, maybe you'll meet them someday over the course of my history of being inspiring as a leader in social media and stuff. Uh, there were two people who wrote me said they were thinking of committing suicide that day. And something that I wrote just without any really much thought that was an inspiring quote or something or some sort of inspiring message turned them around that day. And they wrote me and said, you, you know, you saved my life this, today. And I, I like to think they saved their lives, but, but um, you know, we, we don't realize how much we can touch and influence other people. And sometimes we'll hear about it. Some, sometimes somebody will come and tell me. Uh, and other times we just may inspire people and they go on their merry way and we just never know. But that's the beauty of it. Yeah, love that. Chris, thank you for being on the show. It's been a great conversation. Love what you're doing. And everyone out there, get the book, Beacons of Leadership. And I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So thank you, Chris. I want to thank my guests for being on the show. And I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And don't forget to tune in next week.